0: Something weird happened before I sat down to record this episode. Last weekend, my family visited me in Japan for the first time since I moved here, and while they were here I was emailing back and forth with a couple of contributors. I explained to my parents the Pokemon Jinx and the controversies. The very next day, we were on a long walk through rice fields in the Nagano Basin, and what should I see lying in the dusty road but a little Jinx figurine? In the original colours, with the year 1997 stamped on her butt. Before I moved to Japan, I never believed in things like Destiny. This place has a way of making you think some weird stuff though. I'm Luke Summerhaze, and I love Pokémon. I really do love Pokémon. The franchise had a major impact on my life, It was where my love affair with Japan began. It has been a prominent bonding subject for most of my important friendships and relationships. To this day, Pokemon games, media, and merchandise serve as a kind of happy place for me. Heck, I sit down and do this every week, don't I? Despite my overwhelming love for Pokemon, it doesn't get a free pass. I will call out Nintendo when they show poor form around fan projects or game preservation, I don't let them off because they're Japanese when they mess up around gay or trans rights or freedom of expression. I love when the games engage in the debate around the morality of the core monster-catching concept, and I won't shy away from the genuine possibility that some Pokemon designs may be racist or sexist. To quote Feminist Frequency, it is possible, and even necessary, to critically examine the media you love. In the original Pokemon games, Jinx was only available through an in-game trade. It's a dual Psychic and Ice type, a typing which is unique to this family. Its signature move is Lovely Kiss, one of the most reliable ways to put opponents to sleep. Jinx is called the Human-type Pokemon, and does appear humanoid in appearance, with long blonde locks that could put Dolph Ziggler to shame and a flowing red dress. It sings and dances as described in a vast number of Pokédex entries. It seductively wiggles its hips as it walks. It can cause people to dance in unison with it. It rocks its body rhythmically. It appears to alter the rhythm, depending on how it is feeling. It speaks a language similar to that of humans. However, it seems to use dancing to communicate. It sways its hips to a rhythm all its own the precise movements of Jinx living in Alola are truly wonderful. Its strange cries sound like human language. There are some musicians who compose songs for Jinx to sing. The Yama-Uba is a yokai from Japanese folklore, and is one of the most often cited inspirations behind Jinx design. There are plenty of other possibilities, as we'll touch on later. The Yama-Uba is a mountain crone usually depicted with yellow-white hair and a tattered red kimono, known to force others to dance. Here in Nagano, there's a legend about the Yamauba coming down from the mountains in the winter to drink sake, used as a bit of a marketing gimmick. Combined with another icy mountain yokai, the Yuki-Ona, which is famously able to put men to sleep with a kiss, we pretty much have jinx. Like in any culture, legends like these of mountain crones or witches represent men's misogyny and fears of women. Somewhat appropriately, Jinx can come across like an exaggeration of femininity. Big lips, swaying hips, and even breasts. Jinx herself is rarely presented as anything to fear, however, but usually is quite sweet and pleasant. Jinx made her anime debut in Holiday Jinx, a classically cheesy and incongruous Christmas special in this episode, the Jinx serve as Santa's helpers, essentially replacing the Elves. One of the Jinx gets lost, so Ash and friends return her to the North Pole and help to foil a plot by Team Rocket to steal all the toys. After the episode aired, cultural critic Carol Boston Weatherford published an article titled Politically Incorrect Pokemon in the magazine Black World Today. In it, she says,
1: I saw a character on the Pokemon TV cartoon that not only stripped the phenomenon of its innocence but stopped me cold. The character Jinx Pokemon number 124 has decidedly human features. Jet black skin, huge pink lips, gaping eyes, a straight blonde mane, and a full figure, complete with cleavage and wiggly hips. Put another way, Jinx resembles an overweight drag queen incarnation of little black Sambo, a racist stereotype from a children's book long ago purged from libraries. While my 10 and 12-year-olds do not find Jinx offensive, their parents and grandparents do. We call a spade a spade, and we have seen enough racist stereotypes to know one when we see it. There is no question about this Pokemon character. Jinx clearly denigrates African Americans, particularly black women. At the close of the 20th century, how could Japanese computer animators unleash such a culturally insensitive menace on the global marketplace?
0: Up to this point. I haven't spoken about Jinx's facial features. In her original incarnation at least, she had jet black skin, large pink clips and round white eyes. The similarity to racist caricatures like the Gollywogs, the above mentioned Little Black Sambo and more than a few problematic anime depictions is undeniable. The Jinx controversy is among the biggest Pokemon has ever faced, Dexit ain't got nothing on this. Debate rages on as to what actually inspired Jinx's design, whether the use of racist imagery was intentional or not, and whether the Pokemon company has been appropriate in its use or otherwise of the character. Ever since recording the first episode of Luke Loves Pokemon, I've been thinking about the day when I have to cover Jinx. What I knew from the start was that I couldn't put out a podcast in which I, a white man, tried to pass some kind of definitive judgement on the character. Or use facts and logic to prove once and for all what is or isn't racist and what people can and can't be offended by. To avoid that, I put a call out on Twitter asking for other opinions, particularly from women and people of colour. One of the people I was put in contact with was Amara Dyer Johnson. She had this to say
2: It's quite difficult to answer whether Jinx's original design was racist. Um, when I first saw Jinx in the anime as a child, I definitely didn't think that the design was supposed to be a caricature of a black woman. Um, but as a teenager and as an adult, I can kind of see the um, similarities between Jigsaw's original design and that of some of the previously popular racist imagery, such as like the Sambo character from like the. 19th century, Um, or minstrelsy shows where white performers in blackface portrayed racist stereotypes.
0: But how did Jinx come to look the way she does? Of course we all hope it was not a deliberate use of racist imagery on the part of Game Freak. The common defence which is brought to the table is that Jinx is actually inspired by ganguro, a fashion trend in Japan of blonde wigs and excessive fake tan. Ganguro was a rejection of traditional Japanese norms and beauty standards, of very pale skin and uniform black hair. Ignoring for the moment the fact that Ganguro's own origins may be problematic, the timing doesn't really work out. Ganguro didn't really rise to prominence until quite late in Pokemon's development, and was never particularly mainstream. Pokemon fans in the West like to point to Ganguro as the definitive answer to Jinx's origins but in Japan, the matter is still one of great discussion. It is more likely that Western fans cling to this explanation as a kind of comfort, rather than ask the tough questions. That being said, I don't subscribe to the idea that Jinx is a deliberately racist character. As I spoke about earlier, I think her origin is more likely found in Japanese Yokai. Even the dark skin and exaggerated lips are common features of the Yama-Uba when it is depicted in no theatre. It does seem likely that Jinx's design was the result of accidental ignorance on the part of a small development studio in Tokyo. Pokemon is a global concern now, however. So how does this excuse hold up?
2: I don't think it was intentional. And I do think intention is an important thing to consider. Because Jinx definitely doesn't behave in any way that would suggest that the Pokemon was supposed to be racist. Um, and actually has quite a sweet introduction in the Christmas episode of the anime.
0: Some have argued that Nintendo of America were lax in allowing Jinx to be included in international versions of the game, even giving it the witchcraft-inspired name, despite the Japanese moniker of Rugella only referring to makeup and the colour red. It is documented, however, that early in the translation process, Nintendo of America considered a full revamp of the Pokedex, concentrating on more cool and tough monsters rather than cutesy ones. Perhaps after this idea was shot down, they felt they couldn't suggest any changes to the monsters. After the controversy surrounding Jinx broke, Nintendo did respond. Jinx was recolored to a more fantastical purple colour, first in the international releases of Gold, Silver and Crystal, and then in all versions of the game, including in Japan, from the Game Boy Advance generation onwards. This is even reflected in the Virtual Console versions of the early games, leading to the Pokemon Yellow Jinx having a sprite with more colours than would actually have been possible in the original Game Boy release. Episodes featuring Jinx in its original design have been edited or removed from circulation entirely. The popular narrative is that Nintendo have swept Jinx under a rug since the turn of the millennium, though this isn't the case, particularly in Japan. I also spoke to Serena. The founder of Jinx Club, on Twitter. She said,
1: My main belief is that Game Freak is not abandoning Jinx in any way. They don't want to hide Jinx under a carpet or anything. They gay Sabrina Jinx when they don't have to. Also, Jinx had four cars during the Sun Moon era, which is a lot, even compared to other Gen 1 monsters. Jinx had some merchandise during X and Y. Plus, Jinx had a Pokemon Go advert poster all to herself in 2016. Jinx's Japanese name was trademarked during the 2012 along with others who got Megas. Some leakers claim to have seen Mega Jinx's 3D model.
0: It is interesting to see that Jinx does have a presence in modern Pokemon. If the controversy happened today, it would be easy to imagine a lot of unpleasantness from certain online groups, with Nintendo being called cucks for bowing to social justice warriors.
2: At the same time, I am glad that Jinx was recolored. I think the pinky purple skin definitely reduces the similarities between the Pokemon and racist imagery, which is certainly a positive move. I'm glad that the Pokemon company responded to fan criticisms by actually doing something and recoloring Jinx. It wasn't a drastic change, but I think it was definitely a welcome one.
0: In competitive Pokemon video gameplay, Jinx's unique typing, high speed and special attack, and excellence in putting opponents to sleep make it something of a staple. In early generations it was firmly an uber tier monster. More recently, its weak defences make it a bit less viable. But it has maintained a pretty good niche for most of the life of the metagame. Around the same time Jinx was recoloured to purple, we were introduced to her little sister, Smoochum. Smoochum is a baby Pokémon from the second generation's initial rush of pre-evolutions. It takes the main feature of Jinx, big kissing lips, and really leans into it. Smoochum is perhaps the most infantile of the baby Pokémon. Pokédex entries say things like, It actively runs about but also falls often. Whenever it falls, it will check its reflection on a lake's surface, to make sure its face hasn't become dirty. Mostly, though, the Pokedex talks about Smoochum experiencing the world through its sensitive lips, and running around kissing things. Smoochum is a cute little baby, which can grow up into a Pokemon who looks more adult. Perhaps that's reason enough for its existence. But both the Yuma-Uba and Yuki-Ona have legends which involve them raising human infants. If these Yokai were major inspirations behind Jinx, it makes sense that Jinx has a baby Pokemon. Personally, whenever I think of Smoochum, I'll always think of the game Pokemon Channel. Within this weird watching TV with a Pikachu simulator, Smoochum had a fitness TV show I remember the UK Nintendo magazine at the time questioning the validity of trying to take fitness instruction from a member of another species, but I have always wondered how much of a workout I could get from just watching Smoochum Shape-Up over and over. Perhaps that video series is a future Patreon stretch goal. Thanks to Jonathan Cromie who wrote the music for Luke Love's Pokemon, and Katie Groves for providing artwork. Thanks as well to the supporters on Patreon. I produced this podcast purely for my love of Pokemon and my own amusement, but it does take time and effort, not to mention costing money to host on SoundCloud. I have some exciting plans for the end of the year, so any support is greatly appreciated. Special thanks as well this week to Amara Dyer-Johnson and Serena from Jinx Club, for ensuring this wasn't just me talking out of my depth. And my girlfriend Shen, for reading out quotes and avoiding you having to listen to my voice droning on for any more than absolutely necessary. If you've enjoyed the show, head on over to at LukelovesPKMN on Twitter or Facebook to see new episodes, rate and review on Apple Podcasts, or get in contact about the next Pokemon we'll be covering, Electabuzz and Magma. I'd love to hear from you about any monster, so please get in touch. I love Pokemon. And remember... I love you too.